Okay. Um, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Okay. Um, okay. Um, for everyone who has has never heard of this podcast, hi, my name is Beasel. I cover a lot of triggering topics, so if you do not want to hear that and you're easily triggered, you can go ahead and leave. No offense, I just understand how hard it is. Uh, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Hayes. Um, okay. So again, if you do not, anyone who does not want to hear this topic, you can go ahead and leave because today we're going to be talking about um, childhood trauma and the serious impact it can have. So. Fun. Yeah, fun. <laughs> the one subject parents do not want to talk about with their children. Mm-mm, not at all. So, I'm guessing you, you, well, I know you've been through a lot, which you don't have to share, but... Um, we can t- we can start with PTSD. Um, PTSD stands for post traumatic stress syndrome, well, a disorder. Fuck. It, it's all good. Um, basically, a lot of people will downgrade P- uh, PTSD and what it can do, but it's really it's not a fun thing because simple things, sight, smell, hearing, can cause a person to go back to something that was really traumatic for them and make them feel stuck in the moment, unsafe, and unsure of what to do. So, oh don't, shit, what do I talk Don't do you I have talk? the more experience here with PTSD? I do. I won't go into detail with it since, you know, people don't know me. But yeah. it can be, the episodes can last from a minute to hours. And it is really hard to calm yourself, especially when you're by yourself. It is really hard to calm yourself down. So. Okay, what are you comfortable with sharing? I mean, this is all anonymous, least? so I'll share I'll share an extent of things. Um, hmm. And, like, you're welcome to take a break anytime you need. So. Okay. When I was younger like around the age of 10 that like 8 to 12 will give that range um i was living in and out of trailer parks and uh with family on drugs surrounded by drugs and family well not family but friends of family dealing drugs and um we had our trailer shot up a few times drive-bys the neighbors got drunk one night and shot up (laughs) through their house, which was interesting. Um, yeah, I still, I don't have PTSD from it, but I still have, I still kind of have little breakdowns when I sit there and think about it. Which and, is, un- which is like understandable, especially given the situation. Yeah. I'm, like I'm, I'm already heavily bullied at this point in time, and so it just added on to the problems that I would have later in life that I would learn of. 
like regular breakdowns and eventually uh, drug dependency. Yeah. Which is also a sad truth of trauma. Trauma can come in many shapes and forms in which each sometimes will lead you to do very unhealthy things that, that are damaging. Very. And I'll be blunt, it fucks you up. No matter what you go through, you can have, like, you do not have to have PTSD to say that you have trauma. It can, the saddest part is the accountability held towards people for it, but also the getting others to understand. Especially since, including my own parents, they do not acknowledge the signs of mental illness. They did, never did until it went to much more drastic measures. Yeah, mine, they just ignored it. Yeah, which is a common thing within parents because, one, they don't understand, or two, they refuse to understand. Mm Mm-hmm. No, they don't want to understand. Or they do not want to. They want to hide the harsh reality with their own little fictional lies because they either can't stand their kids to see their kids that way, or they just frankly don't care. Which is exactly a point. Especially with this time of day. But with everything that's going on, especially in the past year, um, statistics have um, risen up for trauma, mainly found in adults. Childhood trauma uh, sometimes isn't discovered until you are in your late 20s or even longer in which numerous have reported going to therapy and finally acknowledging it. Therapy, which, Therapy, like, therapy isn't for everybody. It's it's not for everybody. It is a recommendation, especially with certain circumstances, like for me. But sometimes it doesn't work, and it isn't right to force someone into it. Yep, and then you have therapists that not all therapists care about their job equally and they go into it for the money and that i feel like is something that needs to change in this society because i've had several therapists give up on me from school counselors to professional therapists and that also needs to be um accountable because of how common it actually is because of the concept the concept, I cannot help you, which is not true at all. They either aren't doing their job or they aren't doing it right. And sometimes it is understandable, but you must transfer the patient to someone who you think can help them more, not drop them. It's well, this is really going to get into a good debate right here. Um, yeah, dropping them is unprofessional, but think about the people when they, oh, I can't help you, so let me send you somewhere else to get help. That alone could be a, a loophole that therapists can exploit and at the same time think about the people that are getting the therapy how that makes them feel being told oh i'm going to give you to somebody else (laughs) because i can't help you which is also an understandable um point yeah it's which each clashes like i'm clearly not a professional but this is what i would do if my patient if I am somehow not able to accommodate to my patient's needs, I would refer them to someone, but not transfer them with other consent. Yeah. Like, I never got given that opportunity. I was always, 
I can't help you. We're going to go here and get you help. And then they would be like, I can't help you. Um, maybe you could go here, but I can't help you. Which is a sad truth to lots of medical professionals. Um, and also another triggering topic, psych wards, especially. Um, so I'm personally not going to tell my experiences on this podcast for numerous reasons. Also because I would be breaking a law. Okay. Yeah. HIPAA code. But within most mental hospitals, they are only there to stabilize the patients and make sure basically evaluation. Yep. A lot of times they do not help at all, especially when, um, let's say that you say you feel a certain way. They, oh, here, here's a medication for that. Yeah, I don't think that's personally right because you have all these drugs, all these over-the-counter drugs. And in, in a sense, if the, the, the way I see it is that's just introducing kids to gateway drugs. Introducing people to gateway drugs because exactly. we're going to get you on something. We're going to keep you on it until you're not depressed anymore. And then when you get off of it, you become depressed. That Not only are they exploiting money out of you, but they're giving you an addiction, which, I mean, everybody says weed's a common gateway drug, but we don't ever look towards the hospitals and the pharmacies with over-the-counter exactly. drugs, which are recognized. And with childhood trauma, there is no drug or cure for it. They can either help you with depression, help you with sleep. They cannot help you with PTSD. Mm-mm. And that that is a proven thing. There is no type of drug for it, which is one of the hardest parts because sometimes during an episode, you are just looking for a way out of it. Anything that can or will help you, which can lead to drastic measures and unsafe situations. I had watched a TED Talk recently. Um, I think his name was Aaron Aaron something. But um, he was a TED Talk on how he was almost a school shooter because of childhood trauma, because of parents not caring, and the foster system not being amazing. But he didn't... I, I don't think he went deep into foster system. But... um. Yeah, like, the childhood trauma can lead to so many different things. You have suicide. It always leads to depression. Uh, It can lead to PTSD, and then it pushes kids to shoot up schools. Issues with anger. Lots of issues with anger because no one teaches the child how to healthily express what they are feeling, which is really common. But, you know, no one takes the time to say, hey, instead of, like, outright punishing this kid, we're, why don't we look into what's going on, what's wrong, and why are they feeling this way? They go, oh no, we're going to give you medication, and we're going to make you stop feeling this way by getting you Which addicted exactly. to drugs. Which was exactly my case. Now, trauma can alter a lot of memories or make you forget a lot of things. It's one of the things our it mind makes does. Makes sense of what's real and what's not. Did this actually exactly. happen? Did it not happen? Oh, wait, this happened? I don't even remember this. Exactly. That's why if uh, we do gain listeners, lots of people do report um, forgetting a chunk of their childhood. A lot of it just gone. 
the gap between from when they were five to when they were 12, just a whole chunk of it gone. The teenagers in which, the 20s you know, or... Um, it can actually almost with every yeah, everyone. I understand age, mainly when you're older. Mainly when you're older, I understand that because age does age does affect your memory, and you'll lose memories with age. But with childhood trauma, it's it's different. You lose the memories, and then you'll you'll lose memories not in the way of you won't like remember what happened, but you don't know if it actually happened. Exactly. It's almost like a strange fever dream. And <clears throat> with me, I can't remember a lot of things. I cannot remember what happened to me when I was four years old. I can't remember if it actually happened yeah. or not. Or if I just counted it as another one of the awful things that was done to me. Yeah, I remember I have, I still have people this day telling me, oh, no, I wasn't beat up in school. I was fine. Everything was okay. And, like, I I remember times when I was beat up in school, and then there's other times when I moved schools, having been to over 20-plus schools before middle school. So I don't know what I, – I just can't name you every school I've been to, and I don't know exactly what schools I got bullied at and what I didn't or where I got beat up. And All I know is that it happened because <laughs> I wear those scars. And there's also lots of instances where children will tell their parents something that happened a few years or a few months along the road. And the parents will say that didn't happen, which causes the child to get very aggressive and swear that it did happen. Leads to channeled, like, just aggression mm -hmm. in general. Anger issues. I can see it leading yep. to those. Ang which anger issues is also a very common thing. Yeah. Um... Oh, on the topic of child protective services, they mm. they feel like they're doing right. They think they're doing right, and on paper they are doing right. But in reality, and when you look at it, they aren't doing right. Look at the foster care system; uh, they're worse living conditions than an actual home. And then you get sent to homes and people which use the foster care system as a way of picking up potential child slaves and mm -hmm. money. Um. As a foster parent, you do, you do get a certain income for taking care of the child. Um, I have a family member who used to take care of foster children. They were wards of the court because of numerous reasons. And, like, they don't give you enough money for taking care of the kids, too. It really depends. But those children usually are neglected. Or they're hopped up on meds. Yeah, they're either forced into a dr an over-the-counter drug addiction or a prescribed drug addiction, which are both recognized. And the fact that we haven't brought that out with antidepressants, which are recognized, like it's honestly kind of silly how many things are recognized that to be drugs, but yet we still give them to people and hook people up on them and make them depend on them and telling them that they're okay now. Exactly. Not that long ago, many children were being prescribed Ritalin just for being normal children and being hyper. Mm -hmm. Because they immediately wanted to ignore the problem at hand and what comes with a common child and prescribe them medication to make them calmer. Mm -hmm. Which 
without running proper tests to see if it actually is ADHD or something else. Which is one of the bigger flaws. Is ketamine being prescribed more often now? Yeah, and I know yes, ketamine it is, was actually. a popular drug back back in the day. <laughs> there's a, there's games. There's games based around it being a drug. Yep, exactly. it's a common club drug, but we're giving it to kids to help with the depression. Like, exactly. There was um, something with a family member that they had a very valid point is with the difference between needing therapy and needing medication, which is like a common flaw. Needing medication is when you have a you have been proven to have a chemical imbalance in your brain, lack of serotonin, to where you need a corrective chemical, but it shouldn't be at a high dosage until you find out, and they run proper tests. And then the difference between needing therapy is when you have seasonal depression, or you know you don't have an imbalance, but you do need some mm-hmm. help. Same with you know, um, no, situational depression. Exactly. And um, it can also come from lack of social interaction, a lack of a lot of things that parents really don't realize that their child needs. Yeah. Honestly, it's more of we need to, like, okay, so what would you, how would you solve this crisis in America, as I'd like to call it? This depression crisis, because I've grown and known more and more people that have depression or gaining depression from either something going on at home or something going on at school, something going on in their outside life. In all honesty, like, you know, which, you know, as I said, therapy does not work for everyone, but it's more of you need someone to talk to. Because depression, especially with quarantine, oh God, how bad it has gotten from lack of social interaction, lack of public public mm-hmm. outings. To all online. Which, yeah, which um, it is like a common thing that human interaction is needed. It is like yeah, just um, a normal human need. The movie Castaway. It's a, it's a good, not the whole movie. I haven't seen the entire movie, but I know like, oh, there's the ball. There's the beach ball or volleyball or whatever it is that has the face on it and to help keep you from going insane in video games and our culture nowadays. Um, any sort of video game where you're alone, they try to give you some sort of item or pet to keep you from going insane inside the video game or to keep you from feeling that. Not all the games, but there's several games. Uh, Stranded Deep's a good example. Yes. A mass majority. Stranded Deep's a good example. Which, you know, it's like... It is a common thing that a human needs a companion. We recognize that we need human interaction. Not just being on the internet all day. There's also another example of society's rules and expectations about how much it is forced to put someone into a mindset where if they don't do a certain thing that everyone wants it to be, they are unloved mm-hmm. and unvalued. And that brings up cancel culture. Well, cultures. Exactly. Like, cancel culture can be both good and bad. 
you have cancel culture in music being a prime example. Uh, what ended the whole glam metal era in music was grunge. The whole reason that, like, it went straight from going, oh, caring about spending lots of money on your clothes, caring about how you look, um, being big and flashy and acting on stage and having all this, basically putting on a show to not caring about how you look, like, not caring about how you look, the, it's not as loud, it's not as flashy. But then that also suddenly turned into, oh, this must be expensive. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, is especially in the alt subcultures. If you notice, you go online to get a certain, just even a t-shirt, it's like $35. Which, you know, a lot of people say, hey, wait a minute, isn't that like the opposite of what Mm -hmm. we were going Um, for now? I had recently done a, I was researching this today, actually. Not the topic where this podcast is about, but on this music topic, um, the music industry takes advantage of culture. <laughs> the music industry basically sells culture. You like grunge, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, Kurt Cobain specifically knew that this is what the music industry was doing. And so he would speak out against it. And that only benefits the music industry. Mm-hmm. And exactly. Relating that with child trauma, it's child tra- child trauma is in a sense the culture and all the hospitals are the music industry mm-hmm. very much so especially now with with like um how common childhood trauma is becoming to be especially there is whole aesthetics about it now which i am not dissing them it is just a form of coping Mm-hmm. where everyone is public about it. But it's suddenly, because so much of it is coming forward, it is being idolized. Yep, and it's being taken advantage of and used to make money. Exactly. Which brings us to another thing of how much it is honestly used and how much people are used for their trauma because mm-hmm. they are also a target. They, it's... That's honestly sad. Like, and honestly, I think this is because corruption to government and the the feel and the need, the greed to make money. With me, I honestly think childhood trauma can just stem for gen- from generational curses. It's, well, childhood trauma is different for everybody. Just, I feel like. Yeah. Like, a lot of us can report our parents. Like me, I'm working with four generations mm-hmm. of abuse. The, but no one seemed to stop The it. reason I feel like people don't try to stop then, these, try to stop childhood trauma and depression, uh, they just say they are, and they just hook everybody up on drugs, is because money. <laughs> the reason that this is the problem and a growing problem the way it is today is because of money. I um I actually do want to talk about drug use if you're comfortable mm, with that. I I've passed with it, but I'm fine with that. This is anonymous again, so. Okay, I mean, yeah. Um, so I'm aware that a lot um a lot of people do turn to drugs eventually when it comes to 
um, Child, childhood trouble, trouble at home, depression. also trauma, childhood trauma and depression. And so, um, are you comfortable uh, yeah, sharing? That I is one thing this. because like, okay. Do you mind giving insight on some of that? From, Drugs are not you know. a way to go. Don't don't use them to cope. <laughs> That's the first thing I'm gonna say. Just, well, yes. Yeah, I know it's a given, but well, yes, make we sure that. we get it out there. Don't use drugs. They don't help. <laughs> they give money to everybody, and they feed the worldwide system of pain. Pain and suffering. That's it. Just a reminder: we are not idolizing drugs in any way, shape, or form. We are using this as a prime example to show what happens and why they are so fucked up. We are not recommending exactly. that you use any of it. And if so, go get help immediately, please. I will be linking free mental health services. So So, anyways, continue. I was 11 when I first decided to try drugs. I heavily bullied in school and I, I, I everything was just breaking down and falling around me, I felt like. And so everybody kept saying, Oh, you just smoke weed, just smoke weed, you'll be fine. Like, oh, come do MDMA with us. Come fucking, ooh, come try heroin. <laughs> do this, do that. And, like, everybody's telling me all these things, and I watch them, and they sit there in the happiness of high while I have nothing and no way to be happy. I feel like it, the peer pressure really does kick in, and it it starts a long path, and especially with childhood trauma, when you, you don't have anywhere to go, you feel like, because at home sucks, at school sucks, <laughs> you go online and even then it still sucks, it, it, it really pushes you towards it. And it makes you think that or suicide is the only option, because you know there's always a possibility of overdosing on it and whatever drug you're taking. Exactly. And once you're on it, you can't stop. So would you so would you say that using drugs was kind of your breaking point of like you needed some kind of stability? I would stability, have but you attempted couldn't. for either the second or third time. If it hadn't meant for drugs. And even then that was that's worse. That's really worse. Because you, you have, at least you have it a is. chance of survival with an attempt. You don't have a chance of survival once you get addicted to drugs. Which it is an awful thing because many people acknowledge their drug, their drug use and abuse, but mm -hmm. the hardest part is coming the out of it. You even come out of it. You got to wait till you have that moment, that click. And even then, you got to hope that somebody's there exactly. for you. Exactly, and even that's hard. Otherwise, you're not going to get drugged out of it. Exactly. One minute. We went on a good 30 minutes. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to cut this short, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, oh, okay, that's understandable. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for coming. That Yo, actually helped a lot. I'm, grab- I'm getting everything ready. Okay. Yep, I'm grabbing it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, again, thank, thank you, you for too. coming and have a good day.